0: You know, but last week, you know, when we, when we began our journey through the book of Jonah, we saw firsthand that rebellion against God not only hurts us, but also those around us. And, and sadly, it's usually the ones we love the most are the ones that are hurt the most. As believers, you know, we are told that we will have to endure storms and trials in our life. But we are also told that we will not have to endure them by ourselves. Because God will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, we see that in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 5, where it tells us, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, last week we saw what happens to a person when they try to endure the storms of life by themselves. And as Colson mentioned in his study, not only did the storm cause the crew to lose their wages, the storm almost caused the crew to lose their life. In an attempt to please God, Jonah was thrown into the sea. And it seemed to work. The sea calmed. The men on the ship were saved. Though it appears that Jonah's rebellion will cost him his life. So tonight we begin our study in the book of Jonah. Chapter 17 of verse 1, and as we turn there, allow me to open us in prayer. Father, it is my prayer that, uh, that the words that I share tonight are not my words, but yours. That you would just set me to the side and speak through me, Father. As that song goes, Lord, I do pray that, this, this, that your, these words are pleasing to you, Father. Use them to, to bless everybody here as it has blessed me as I prepared, Father. Praise and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, we begin with saying, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Personally, I find it interesting the length of time that Jonah was in the belly of the fish before he was regurgitated, as, as I might say. Because when Jonah was thrown overboard, if God chose, he could have just landed him on the beach. He could have just hit the sand running. But the problem was not getting Jonah to Nineveh. It was Jonah's heart. In his disobedience, because of his prejudice against the people of Nineveh, Jonah ran from God. And even when all was lost, instead of calling out to God, Jonah told the crew, if you want to save your life, just throw me overboard. That's hatred right there. It really is. That's a heart filled with hate for some people. I'm not sure if I've ever been there, but I I don't want to take too much stock in evaluating that. But at this time, it seems Jonah would rather drown than warn the people of Nineveh about God's impending judgment. Jonah probably thought he was pleasing God by doing the honorable thing, you know, by sacrificing life to save the ship and the crew. But what Jonah failed to understand, and I believe a lot of times in our life we fail to understand, that God did not desire Jonah to sacrifice his life, but rather for Jonah to live his life in obedience. We are called to be a living sacrifice, not a dead one. You know, they say it's. it's a man was told his wife. He says, "It's easy. I would to die for someone out of honor and character, but it's hard to live for them, to to be a be a daily sacrifice for their life." Husbands, we we should take stock in that, because there's so much truth to it. But First Samuel 15:22, Samuel said, "Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and in sacrifices?" as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. But here we find Jonah. He's in, I can picture him in the water, trading water there, out in the middle of the ocean. And he's just sure he's, gonna, he's a dead man. But the next thing he knows, he's swallowed by a fish, probably the size of an 18-wheeler. And now he's probably floating around in some of the most nastiest stuff you can imagine, and the smell I can't imagine the smell would probably put anybody's gag reflex into full auto. I just, I can't imagine how awful it was. Now, I really don't know if, if that, all that was true, the smell, the nastiness inside the whale. And, but in a few verses, we will see that he is in water, and there is seaweed wrapped around his head. But that's really all we were told about the condition. But my point is this, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. You see, the world would have us believe that the story of Jonah and the fish is simply a made-up story. Much like my description of Jonah's condition to illustrate a point, his condition, his, his, his desperation. But since they cannot understand, since the world cannot understand it, then the world refuses to believe it's true. But what the world fails to understand is that our belief in the Word is not grounded in our ability to understand, but rather is grounded in our faith in the one who wrote it. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us but without faith it is impossible to please him for who for he for he who comes to God must believe that he is. I might always add that the world would also have have to believe that have have us believe that knowledge is power. You hear it all the time. Knowledge is power. You know, the more you learn. I work around professors and college people and they all think knowledge is is what's going to save them and and leave their legacy or whatever. But all the power you will ever need to live as believers, we understand a victorious life is faith in Christ. The world is going to disappear and go away. But our faith in Christ will endure us forever. But at this point, we really don't know how much time has elapsed since Jonah was swallowed by the fish. But in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, Jonas, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And this is the beautiful part. And he answered me. Then he goes on to say, Out of the belly of Shoal I cried. And you heard my voice. I believe what most of us will take from this verse is that the only reason Jonah cried out to God was because Jonah has been sent to his watery grave. He's desperate. He's scared. And just whatever. But what I see is actually Jonah's heart beginning to soften because Jonah wasn't afraid to die. That was not his concern. Jonah said, I cried out to the Lord out of my affliction, but he said he answered me. He knew God spoke to him, heard his prayer, heard his cry. He answered him. Shoal. In the the Hebrew Bible, Sheol is defined as a place of stillness and darkness cut off from life and from God. Separation as he cried out from. And he said, God heard his voice. That's a promise that Jonah clung to. You know, because even though Jonah was in a place of darkness, believing he had been cut off from life and God, complete separation for eternity or whatever, it is obvious that at the point Jonah returned to God. Jonah repented. It was not Jonah's uh, belief, understanding of life's concept. No, it was Jonah's faith in God that gave him the assurance that God would hear him and that God would answer his prayer. It was Jonah's faith in God that allowed Jonah to say, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. You know, I, I, many times in our life we... When we find ourselves in desperate suspirations, we find ourselves grasping at straws, grasping at concepts that the world will throw at us. Only to realize that we just keep digging deeper. When we need to stop, turn to God and give it to Him. You know, and I've done it many times. But you know, because the the Hebrews found themselves in a similar situation. It says that in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, Peter was writing to the early church. They had been dispersed all around. And because of this, they had lost their way. And they felt there was nowhere in the place. There was no hope. They were never going to get to come home. They were lost forever. And Peter wrote in Second Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." You know, the will of God is that all of us come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And after that, it is his desire for us, all of us, to live a glorious life, one that glorifies him. And every time we sin, it's just, he he, he just, heavens declare, angels in heaven just rejoice over one repentant sinner. And that's the one thing we need to hold on to. Because this gives me a beautiful picture of what redemption is all about. Not just for Jonah, not just for the Israelites but for anyone that has lost their way. That no matter how far we have ran from God, and we have run far before, no matter how far we have fallen, and I've fallen many times from His grace, when we have lost our way, all we have to do is turn to God. He is right there waiting for us, longing for us to come back into His loving arms. It is said that no matter how far you have run from God, God is only one step away. Take, turn around, take one step back, and he's right there waiting for us. You know, we sometimes we feel we've sinned so much. We've gone so far that we're beyond help. No, we're not. Never beyond help. Never beyond hope. God's waiting for us. And he doesn't like when we sin, but he's a loving father. He will forgive us. Jonah knew he had sinned against God long before he ever got on that ship. He knew it. But he's running anyway. Have we ever done that? God has told us to do something, but instead of obeying, we, no, I ain't going to do that. That doesn't make sense. I don't like it. No, it's just not going to happen. But at any any time, Jonah could have repented. But because of his prejudice and hatred for the people of Nineveh, he lost his way. He lost focus on what his calling was. But out of love, because of a loving father, will discipline his children. God put Jonah in a place where he had nowhere to turn but toward the God. You know, no one likes discipline. You know, and that old saying, when we spank our children, this will hurt me more than it hurts you. You will never understand that until you have children. But there's so much truth to it. And I believe it hurts our Heavenly Father so much when He has to discipline us because He shouldn't have to. We should obey Him because we love Him. But as rebellious Teenagers that we are, we're going to do what we want to do from time to time. But we, but we move on to verse 3 where we find Jonah and it says he cried out. He said, for you, he's speaking, he's talking about God. He said, for you cast me into the deep, into the hearts of the sea and the floods surrounding me. All your billows and your ways passed over me. I'm not sure about you, but it doesn't sound like he's in a good place right now. You know? But I do not believe Jonah is crying out in anger. But rather, I believe Jonah has come to the point that he truly understands. Yes, it was his sin that put him there. But still, it was God who threw him overboard, not the sailors. It was God who sent the fish to swallow him, not because of hunger. And it was God that allowed the waves to pass over him, and yet he did not drown. You know, it's, it's beyond our comprehension We we cannot grasp the the idea of what's going on here. It's impossible. But then again, who can understand the thoughts of God? We can't. I know I can't. I can't even understand my own thoughts half the time. But still, but here we are in verse four with Jonah telling us. He said, "Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surround me, even to my soul." The deep closed around me. Here we go. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, it's like the bottom of the mountains at the bottom of the ocean. You can't get no deeper than that. The earth with its bores closed behind me forever. It's like a, a, a watery grave of a, of a prison. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. He said, when my soul fainted within me, he said, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Again, humanly speaking, things were not looking good for Jonah. You know, we say he was up a creek without a paddle. No, Jonah wasn't up no creek without a paddle. Jonah was on the Titanic and the last lifeboat just set sail. He was doomed. He was doomed. But as far as Jonah was concerned, he was a dead man locked up in a watery grave. But it was not death. It wasn't death that concerned Jonah. He didn't care about dying because he knew that, that that wasn't it. That wasn't the end. But rather the fact that because of his sin, he had been cast out of the sight of God. He had been separated from God. He's afraid that God would has turned his back on him. He's gone too far. But, but Jonah knew better than that. Because you can almost hear the desperation in his voice. It is said that the most miserable person in the world is a backsliding Christian. One that is living in sin and running from God. They're the most angry, the most bitter. I, I've been there. I know it. And you come around people that are on fire for Jesus and they just tick you off. Get away from me. You, I just, you just, and, and you can just see it. So you can just feel it. Because you long for that. You miss that. But you're too stupid to know it when you're living in sin. It's all true. I Take it from me, I, I've lived it, I know it. But this, but, Ashley, but this is where we find Jonah. Here he is at the bottom of the ocean in a dark, lonely, miserable place. But Jonah said, and this is probably some of the most sweetest words you will, we will ever say, no matter where we're at, when I, my soul fainted, when I thought my, my, it, my end was coming, I remembered the Lord. I believe if we we're all honest, we could look back at certain times in our life When we have found ourselves in a dark, lonely, miserable place. Simply because we have allowed sin into our life. You know, and and as I just alluded to the fact, we're at a place where we no longer feel the presence of God. You know, we long for his presence. The days when we first got saved and you could just see the freshness. And when you read his word, it was so alive and just it was just so good, you know. We, and, and it seems, and then we try to pray. Where do our prayers go? I don't believe they go past the sound of our voice. We can't get them past the ceiling. They're just such empty prayers, unable to even leave the sound of our voice, much less reach the thrones of heaven. And that's a pitiful place to be, I, let me tell you. But, I, but, I, but don't lose up hope yet because we, we're not to the finish line yet. But it does say in the book of John, chapter 9, verse 31, the first part of the verse tells us, now we know that God does not hear sinners. God's a, God can't tolerate sin. And, he, and until we come clean before Him, He will not hear us. But, but you know, I'm so glad the verse doesn't stop there because the last verse, part of this verse, in John, chapter 9, verse 31, tells us, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, he hears us. Who worships God? His believers. People that have put their faith in Christ for our sake. Who does His will? People that are obedient. That are, coming to, that are, that are looking to God for, 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 every, for every ounce of their life. It says He hears us when we are obedient. When, we're, when we come clean before Him. And I am so thankful we like Jonah can stand before the throne of God with confidence. Knowing He remembers us. And when we pray, our prayers will ascend into His holy temple. And we will feel His presence again. Much like, if you ever stand out on the outside on an early brisk morning and the sun comes up and you just feel it the breeze and the sun hitting your face? It's like the presence of God is just, whew, you know. That's what it makes, reminds me of, to be honest with you. Being out in the country or out by the water and just a fresh warm breeze blowing past your face. It's like the presence of God just came by. It's just To me, that's just a beautiful picture. You know, King David found himself in a similar situation. We look in Psalm 5110 where David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me a clean and repentant heart. Because this is where we find Jonah in verse 8. and I, This verse kind of threw me into a left field at first, You to know, be honest with you. It said, because then Jonah, out of, left, out of nowhere, he says in verse 8, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. And Jonah's in the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a fish, and he's preaching. I'm wondering who he's preaching to. You know, but he, I think he just wants to let God know that he realizes the condition of his heart. You know, because there's no indication that Jonah was worshiping idols, but rather it seems that Jonah was simply making the comparison that running from and disobeying God is about as fruitful as worshiping idols. Look at Psalm 115.4. It says, "...their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They have noses they have, but they do not smell." In reference to all the senses of man, everything that we use to get by in life, he says, But they're all dead. That we mimic a life living for Christ, but because of our sin we're dead. And that's basically what this telling us. Their works are dead. And Jonah understands that it is impossible to please God, much less receive his mercy with a life that is producing dead works. You know, these are two of the most beautiful words that, to, that comes to the ears of a Christian. Mercy and grace. To receive see, mercy simply means we are not going to get what we deserve. And to receive grace means we are going to get what we do not deserve. And one little bitty verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 defines it perfectly. It says right here, Romans 6:23 it says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. To receive mercy, it simply is telling us, we are not going to receive the wages of our sin, which is death, separation from God. But on the other hand, when we receive, receive grace, we receive eternal life with, with God salvation. It's just to be, to be in the presence, instead of being totally separated from God for eternity, we are now in the presence of God for eternity. I mean, it, it's a, you, can't, you, can't, you can't touch that. Jonah deserved death, and, but when it came to being cast out of the sight of God, Jonah longed for mercy. Here we are, and he is the belly of that fish, and he had no idea what was going to happen. But in spite of all his conditions, in spite of what was going on, Jonah began to worship God. As we see in verse 9, he says, But I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have bowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Again, Jonah is is just crying out to God, realizing the condition of his heart. He's coming to God, and it's obvious to me that he is in a full repentant mode. Jonah says, God, I am sorry. I have sinned against you. Take my life, do what you want, but do not t- take me from your presence. I long for that. Jonah has come to a place of repentance and obedience. When Jonah said, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, he is praising God for right where he is at. But then he goes and says, I will pay what I have vowed. Which kind of leads me to believe that one time or another Jonah made a vow to God. You know, he since he was a messenger of God, it's probably in reference to that I will obey you. I will take your word to wherever you tell me to take it. To the, you know, he was going to be a voice of hope to the lost and dying world. But what Jonah failed to realize that God, that God's mercy, that God's love, and he certainly did not realize that this message of hope and love was for the people in Nineveh. Because he could not stand them, they were his enemy. They treated him cruel. They were mean, but God says, "Love your enemies." You know, share your love with them. But like Jonah, God has called each of us to be His messenger, to be a voice of hope to a lost and dying world. There's times when we are going to be called to minister to people we don't particularly like. I love this. What I love about the church is. You don't have to like me, but God commands you to love me. Now I'm, and I'm, a, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hard on both ends. So, but I love that. That you're gonna have to love me. You don't have to like me, but that's all right. We'll work on that. We got eternity to work all of the bugs out of that. But we, are, uh, but we are to be a messenger of hope, a voice to a lost and dying world. And like Jonah, when we, when we run from God's will, when we refuse to obey Him. We should not be surprised when God brings a fish into our life. Sometimes it's obstacles, trials, people that just irritate the dog's not at you. Oh yeah, they take us to because it was going to take us to a place where we have nowhere to turn but God. You know, it's like the refiner's fire. You, they put gold into it, raw gold into it, and they bring heat to it, and the impurities come to the surface. Correct. And then they scrape off the impurities and what's left is pure gold. When God puts us in these situations like he's putting Jonah, he's basically trying to purify us. He's taking out the impurities. He's bringing our sin to the surface so we can deal with it. And this with Jonah, Jonah is being forced to deal with his sin. Now, he, he's not in the refiner's fire, but being at the bottom of the ocean might serve that purpose too, though. It worked for him. But, then, but when we have nowhere to turn but to God... Then we're where we we should have been from the beginning. It is then when our hearts are in the right place that God can use us for his glory. And now that Jonah's heart is in the right place and he is willing to obey, what do we see in verse 10? He says, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now I'm sorry, there's just no way to talk about that verse without being gross, you know. But still, I can only imagine what Jonah looked like, much less smelled, okay. I mean, this dude just got thrown up on the beach, covered in vomit. He had to be one slimy, nasty dude. But yet, there he landed on the beach, pathetic pathetic as he may be, and God co- co- told him. He's about to tell him what he needs to do, and I wonder if he's going to obey. But it says that he got up and went. Because what we're doing is we're creating a clear picture for me. Actually... That's what's funny about sin. A lot of people, they you know, they use God's grace and God's forgiveness, you know, like a credit card or a debit card that we don't have to pay. But the, but when we commit sin, sometimes this sin, it causes scars on our body. Like Jonah, Jonah had to walk away from that beach with his sin all over him. You know, there was no covering it. Now, I, and you know, and all and a lot of other commentaries talk about his hair was gone, his skin was all bleached, whatever. That's one thing I I think would would cause a lot of us to think twice before we walk away from sin to God. Because our sin will find us out. And we think we can keep it hidden in the closet. God will put it right on the surface for the whole world to see. But it does give me something to think about. But I'm just throwing that out. That's just food for thought. There's no extra charge for that. So here's Jonah. He's on the beach (laughs) looking like whatever, you know. And we, pick, and we pick up in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. We'll be looking at just the four, four, first four verses. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, deja vu, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and what? And preach to it the message that I tell you. You know, Jonah's probably thinking, huh. yeah, But he got, well, what is happening? It says here, Jonah arose, and Jonah went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. It says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, and then he cried out, basically one little message. Jonah still didn't like these people. Jonah still did not want to be there, which Colson will probably bring all that home next week. But still... One little message, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. That doesn't seem like much of a message now, but but like I said, Colson will uh, bring all that home next week. But still, he was at this point, he obeyed. But what I loved about these first two and part of the third verses is that we saw Jonah's rebellion. Jonah's running from God. We saw Jonah down in the well. Conviction and then repentance. And then after repentance, we saw the most beautiful picture of all, God's redemption, his love. And next week, I tell you, uh, I just, I just, I I believe if we're just faithful, God will use us for his glory. And that's what I think we'll see. But anyway, but this study is where our study ends for the night.